Good morning. That was an awesome time of worship. Uh, thanks for visiting. If you're visiting, as Tommy said, my name is Josh. And if you've been visiting for the last few weeks, just a reminder that our uh, senior pastor, Clayton Grenfell, and his wife, Jen, have been on sabbatical, and we're about halfway through. So they've been on a two-month sabbatical. We're almost there. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I hear they're doing great and having a great time, you know, rejuvenating. And so um, just, uh, you know, but uh, I'm going to be bringing the word today. And uh, I'm going to try to do something different because I'm a business guy and I tend to, even up here, preach kind of like from that space. And I'm going to do something completely different. I'm going to attempt to do that anyway. So don't hold it against me if I can't help myself and slip back into it somehow. Um, But... Uh, I'm going to speak on uh, fear today, and I think it's funny because uh, I'm not one who's like a big dreamer at night. I mean, I dream. Everybody dreams to some degree, but my wife has like these crazy vivid dreams, and I don't usually remember them, but last night, I do, and I had a series, like a mini-series of five separate dreams, all of them about me preaching today and bombing, so (laughs) I think that's hilarious. Um, and I'm actually, I was, this morning I was practicing what I was preaching on, so even before I do it. But, so I'm going to speak on fear. Uh, but Kathy, if you don't mind, I'd like to give you a word. When I looked at you, yes you, I'm not saying your last name because we're on video and I didn't ask first. But um, when I looked at you, I was reminded it was your birthday like a couple weeks ago or a month ago. Everybody say happy belated birthday to Kathy. That was fun, maybe a little embarrassing too, but um, when I, I don't know why, when I think about people's birthdays of my own, I always like to say another trip around the sun or whatever, I I just like it. And that came to mind and I just felt like God was saying, on this next trip around the sun for you, just as the sun is a source of light, that is a light that's going to come out of you and start affecting those around you, not just your family, but I think that light is actually going to even be drawing people to you. And just as the, the sun is a source of energy for vegetation, that's going to be where you're getting the strength from. And I just feel like you're going to be saying to yourself two things. I don't know how I'm doing this, but that'll be the grace of God. And I don't know where these people are coming from, but I feel that you're just going to have some people drawing to you in the next season. So I just want to submit that to you. Let me get back on track here. Okay, fear not. That's unoriginal. I know that because God said it thousands of years before I just did. So if you want to argue with that, you can argue with him. But today, I'm going to make a case for it of why I believe that's the right way to walk through life. And I want to start by saying fear is real. Um, Anxiety and depression are real. And so please don't hear what I'm not saying the entire time up here. If you're really struggling with those, get help. It's okay to get help. I'm not saying not to do that. I'm just going to talk about some biblical perspectives on that. Maybe they won't even be new perspectives to you, but I'm going to give you my take on them anyway. And I get it because it's actually easy to get fearful. It's easy to have fear. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world. It doesn't take long to turn on the news to hear something that could, you know, be scary or get you kind of wound up. Around us, the world is shaking. The earth is shaking in many places. But maybe, just maybe, that shaking is an opportunity for the people who can't be shaken, who aren't controlled by fear, to stand up and solve a problem. 
I really want to go into that, but um, we're going to go back into fear. So fear is real, and that's actually why it's mentioned so often in the Bible. The commandment to not fear, or fear not, or don't be afraid, I think is like the number one commandment in the Bible, at least in terms of quantity. And I believe, I've read that it's like 365 times. I had planned in my preparation to write them all down, count them so that I could verify that. So you can't take my word for it, but I've read Um, because I didn't get a chance to do that, that it's about 365 times. And so that gives you an opportunity of like every single day you could open the Bible and read a commandment that tells you not to fear or fear not or don't be afraid. And if you're struggling with fear, I promise you, you're absolutely not alone. But there are biblical resources for you. All right, so fear is real. The emotion of fear is real. Um, And feeling that fear is not a sin. It's natural, right? But what we do with it can absolutely change the course of your life. Fear is a motivator. Many people are motivated by fear and actually base a lot of their life choices on that. But we weren't made to fear. I know that because in Genesis 1.27, it literally states that God created man. He created male and female, and he created them in his own image. So right there, we know we were created in the image of God. So who is God? In 1 John 4, it doesn't say that God is fear. In fact, it says that God is love. I know most of us have heard that verse before. So if God is love, then we're made in the image of love. And two verses later in 1 John 4, it says that there's no fear in love. And but perfect love casts out fear. So when there's love present, fear is eliminated. Let me give you a not-so-practical example of this. This will be a hypothetical. Because I'm not actively looking to get into hand-to-hand combat with like a Russian brown bear. I'm not sure that that would work out too well for me physically. Might even end up in in death. But um, So I'm not looking to do that. But if someone were to find that Russian brown bear and they were to transport it over here to Loudoun County, they were to get it to Percival and put it in my yard, and I'm on the porch and... At least my oldest daughter is here with us this morning. Hi. Uh, if she was out in the yard, fear of that hand-to-hand combat or what might result in that happening wouldn't exist for me. Nothing would stop me from getting between my daughter and that bear. Love is the only thing that matters to me. When my love, and I have an unconditional love for my daughter. She doesn't have to do anything to earn it. Some would call that complete love. I would, the Bible calls it perfect love. My perfect love for her eliminates any fear for myself. Nothing would stop me from getting between her and there. Just like when she says, this is a little more practical, I hear, Daddy, there's a spider in my room. So I run up the stairs, and I already know that when I get there, she's going to be on the bed, pointing to the direction in the room that the spider is in. But I've come to realize when I walk in, her face changes. He's here. I don't want to deal with that. He can deal with that. When I show up, fear gets a little bit smaller. That's who God is to us. When God shows up, fear should get just a little bit smaller. It should get a lot smaller, but we can just start with a little bit. That's who our Heavenly Father is. He is love, and his love cast out fear. Isaiah 51.12 says, I, even I, am the one who comforts you. Who are you? that you should be afraid. I like to say it as, who do you think you are 
to be afraid when I'm here. In other words, have you seen me? Are you bigger than me? That you already believe that problem is not bigger than me. So who do you think you are? When I show up, fear needs to get a little bit smaller. And if you look at me, you won't even be able to see the fear at all. But that is what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to fear, and in fact, it's his greatest tool to keep you in one place instead of in the love of the Father and partnering with him to spread that love to the ends of the earth. This is why the Bible says fear not so many times, because the enemy uses it more than anything else, quite frankly, because it's so effective. And you don't even need the devil to get yourself worked up. We can all think about something that, uh, that can be scary, and we can focus on it. And has anyone ever been up all night, like, thinking about something or worrying about something? Yeah. Well, we know you know how to meditate. Now we just need to change the focus of it. <laughs> what we focus on will dominate our thinking. If we take that off of fear and on the love of the Father, things will begin to shift. So fear doesn't come from God, and that's also super clear in 2 Timothy 1.7. I'm going to have scriptures up here later, but I'm just running through these now. In 2 Timothy 1 says, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. And I've talked with people before who are struggling with this. And I say, you know, they're telling me what they're thinking about. And I said, well, does that sound like God? And so that fearful thought or that anxious thought comes, we have to judge it for ourselves. And is that God? And if it's fear, well, we just read, God doesn't give us that, right? So right there. Here is what, uh, you, here's where you find what God sounds like. When I, my friends ask me when we're battling this, you know, is that fear? Well, I don't know. I don't know what God, I'm sorry, is that God? I don't know. What's that sound like? It's right here. This is how you find out what God sounds like. And I'm going to borrow this from Ken Grenfell because he does it like 50% of the time that he preaches. And he always gets a laugh. So what he says is you got to take this and you go, yum, 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 yum. He definitely gets more of a laugh than I just did. I don't know. Maybe you got to be old and, and it works that way. But it feels like I want to try it again, but I'm, I'm not going to. Um, See, so you, you have to, um, you got to take this and you got to get it inside. And this is what I love about this is because uh, I know this from personal experience. Unlike the spiritual, in the natural, if you want to be hungry, you just don't eat. Clearly, I don't struggle with that personally. Dad bod by day, body by cheese it at night. That's how I kind of live. But if you don't want to, if you want to be hungry in the natural, just don't eat something. If you want to get hungry in the spirit side of things, eat. The more you eat, the hungrier you get. It's weird. It's, um, it kind of like satisfies the hunger and then deepens it all at the same time. It's kind of like eating Pringles. Like, you're lying to yourself if you think you're going to eat one. Like, there's more. All right. Anybody asleep? Just making sure. So the more you eat, the hungrier you get, and that's where you'll find as you do that when you get this inside, when the fear comes, out comes a scripture. The more you do this, the faster the scripture will come out because as you pour into truth, the truth shall set you free. It says it right in here in John eight thirty two. If you abide in my word, 
You are my disciples indeed, and then you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. In other words, when you pour into the word, the truth will saturate you, and when the fear comes, out comes a a truth that will set the fear to flight. So we've got to get this inside, because fear is a liar. It's designated to keep you in one place like cement shoes. In fact, fear can become oppression, and you literally feel like you just can't move. And that's what the enemy is working on. He isn't concerned with winning because he can't win. He already, it's too late for him. He already knows the end. So he's focused on destruction. The Bible says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Because if he can destroy your purpose in life, that's the best he can hope for. And make no mistake about it, you do have a purpose on your life. In fact, you have an anointing to carry that purpose out. And it's the anointing that enables you to go further in that area than anyone else. I want to talk about business, but we're not going to do it. Because it's time to take your life back. It's time we take back the seat at the table that we've given the enemy. And by the way, the seat at the table was prepared, is the table that was prepared for you in the very presence of that enemy. We're going to read this and talk about it together in a minute. But the problem is we let the devil in the side door or the back door and he wiggles on right up to the table. So we end up letting, he does this in the form of fear and anxiety and depression. We give them a seat at the table. And this is when the slope gets really slippery. Because when we give the enemy a seat at the table, he's not going to sit quiet. He's not a good guest. He's talking. And it's not long before that slope gets so slippery that we start getting in a dialogue. We're talking back. And then it's even easier to repeat what he's saying instead of what God is saying. Because the enemy is saying, be afraid. That situation might not work out. You have health problems. You're not safe. You're going to die. You're probably going to die. That's what the enemy sounds like. And let me just say um, on that last part about death, if you struggle in an area with a fear of dying, please don't let the enemy threaten you with heaven. That shouldn't be effective to us. As, and it's an area that as believers and as sons and daughters, we cannot give the enemy ground. I don't, I don't want to die got a lot of things here I'm still planning on doing. But the enemy cannot threaten me with heaven. He cannot threaten me with my Father's presence. So here's what God is saying. And the best part is, if you've been to church at all, and even if you've seen a movie or something, you've heard this before. It's going to be Psalm 23. I'm going to ask him to put it up. We're going to leave it up, and I'm just going to kind of read it, talk about it in, um, with a different emphasis. Because this is actually a powerful promise from God. It feels like a light and fluffy psalm. And it's read at funerals, and it's in movies, and it's on bookmarks that your aunt gave you when you were a kid. and goes in your Bible. But it's so much more than that. Psalm 23 is God's promise to you. The Lord is my shepherd. There it is. The Lord is my shepherd, 
I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Now, we shouldn't let the ubiquity of this psalm eliminate the power of what God is saying right here. And this is the antonym. This is the opposite of what the enemy is saying. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What he's saying is here, if you let me, I will lead you. You don't have to let me, but if you let me, I'll lead you. You can let someone else lead you, but if you let me, I'll lead you. You can lead yourself, but if you let me, I'll lead you. You can let society or Facebook or whatever social media you think is the loudest in your life. You can let the news. You can let other things lead you or lead yourself, but if you let me, I will lead you and I will lead you right now. And here are the consequences of letting God lead you. I will make you lie down in green pastures. Why does it say he'll make us? It's because, I'll just speak for myself, I'm too dumb to do it myself, right? I'm not smart enough to just go and lie down in it. I'm busy, I got a busy life, I got four kids. It's mayhem all, some of the time. But he's gonna, what he's saying here is, um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna lead you to green, I'm gonna cause you to find green pastures, I'm gonna slow you down. And I'm going to make you lie down. And then I will lead you beside still waters. There I will restore your life. And out of that place of being led and laying down in green pastures, being beside still waters is a peace that can only come from letting God lead you. God is saying, where I lead you, you will find peace. If you're finding fear, I'm not leading you. Then he says, I will guide you down the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And here's where it gets really good. Even when, or even though, not if, when you walk in the valley of the shadow of death, even though you walk into something that is the worst possible thing for you, it may not even be death. Whatever is the worst darkest place, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. We're carrying the peace that we found being led by him, and then we carry it with us into no matter where we're walking into, or what we're walking into. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the very presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. That last part might be my favorite. Let me say it another way. You anoint my head with oil and the blessings for me are so great they cannot be contained. That doesn't sound like fear and anxiety to me. I lost my place. Okay. Surely goodness and mercy and love will follow me all the days of my life. And then when the music stops for me here on earth, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I will dwell in your house forever. That's Jesus' offer to you this morning, to let him lead you like that. And if you say yes to him, things will begin to change. That's when the fear factor 
will begin to get a little smaller in your life. Fear won't go away when, in our lives when we honestly self-manage it. It can get better, but it's not going to go away. It begins to leave when we come into the revelation of who it is that is with us, even in the valley of the shadow of death. See, we need the awareness of who God is with us, walking through life. And it's that understanding that enables us to put the fear into perspective instead of letting it shape our perspective. All right, so let me give you a little more fun real-life example. This one's not a hypothetical involving a Russian brown bear. Because we've hit a new phase in our family life in the summer. Because we're blessed to have a pool, and at this time of the year, it's kind of an everyday, all-day thing, at least for them. I'm usually working, but uh, it's an all-day, everyday thing. We've got four daughters, and our youngest, our twins, they just turned six a couple weeks ago. And they've really switched to now just jumping in the pool by themselves, right? So they're loving life. They're going to the highest place we have to jump off of. And, um, you know, it's a pretty good height, too. It's probably as tall as they are. But they jump in. They love it. And now my wife and I can just sit back and watch the joy that they're expressing. But that's not how it starts. When I first try to get them to do it, they're like standing in the pool already, like on the stair, and I'm encouraging them to jump. And it ultimately starts with me just being like, yay. You know, they're not doing anything. I got to do that part for them. So I've got to encourage them. I get a real f- firm grip on them. And then I pull them in the water. And then it builds from there. Eventually, they have to take that jump. And as they're standing on the edge of the pool, and I'm clearly not that tall. They're really petite kids. It probably looks like the ocean sitting in front of them there. And they have to decide whether or not to make that first jump, whether or not they can trust me. Can they trust their father or not? And I realize that everyone may not have had a biological or earthly father that they could trust, or maybe not even a a father at all. But it was important for me, for my girls, to understand at a very early age that they could trust me. So when they finally felt like they could trust me and jump off the edge, of course... I would be there to catch them, make a really nice, big, exciting sound so they encourage them to do it again. And then, of course, as time goes by, they progress, and they start asking me if they can jump to me, and now they're like renegades. Just It's nothing but in, out, jump, repeat. And it's awesome. But in the beginning, they had to understand two fundamental elements about their dad. They had to know my heart was good, And they had to know my arms are strong. And when they made that first decision to jump, I knew those two factors would be the most important factors in their life for those next few seconds. My dad's heart is good and his arms are strong. They know my heart's good, meaning that if I say ready, I won't get distracted, go get a snack, and watch them flail and fall in the water. If I say that I'm ready they know that I'm going to be there. I think a grenade could go off and it wouldn't distract me from hitting them. It's probably a bad example. If a grenade went off, I might not have any arms, but I'd still be standing there like, (laughs) jump, I got you. So they know my heart is good. They knew my arms were strong and that enabled them to take a step past the fear that they naturally felt. It's natural. I'm not saying you can't be scared of things. Things are scary. 
What we're saying is, do you realize that your heavenly father's heart is good and his arms are strong? See, what the enemy's doing is he slides in the side door, the back door. It may have even opened the front door for him. And then he wiggles on up to the table. He does it in the form of fear and anxiety. And we give that fear and anxiety a seat at the table and basically just come to an understanding that it ends up being the way that it is. We do whatever we need to do, meditate, medicate, whatever tools we can find a white knuckle through life the best we can. I want to encourage you that the anxiety and fear, yes, are real. But if we focus on the God of Psalm 23, begin to let God lead you, he will put distance between you and that fear. He will put distance between you and that anxiety. But the enemy's going to want to inch closer. When we put God between us and that fear and anxiety... It creates that distance, and, you know, you can come up and get prayer. We're going to have an opportunity for that at the end of the service here. But you then, after you get some breakthrough, you're going to have to start saying that I'm done with the enemy. I'm done with giving you a seat at the table, because that's no longer worthy of who I am or who I've become in Christ. That's not the God who's with me. And if you've really had to battle with this, you may have some scars, if you really struggle with this, you may have some scars. And it's like they will get further away, but they're going to want to come back. It's like the fear and anxiety end up in D.C. Like we're here, the fear and anxiety, like 45 minutes away, right? You get that thought, you have an anxious thought, you have a fearful thought, you've got 45 minutes to get your eyes and your mind back on a father's heart who's good and whose arms are strong and who's paid the price for you. So whatever you're afraid of, even if it's legitimate to have a fear of it, remember your father's heart is good, his arms are strong, because when we let the enemy in the side door, it reduces our view of God and who he really is. A God that we sung about today, who's big and mighty, can put us on our knees, who's unrivaled, who cannot be stopped. The view that we need to have of God is articulated really well by the prophet Isaiah in chapter 41.10. I think they're going to put it up. Fear not, for I am with you. We're going to come back to that part, but the whole verse is great. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes. Say yes up there. Yes. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So please don't hear what I'm not saying again. If you're struggling with this and you need to get help, do that. But what God in this verse isn't saying is, I get it, you have fear. Here's 10 principles to go follow. He says, no, do not fear because I am here and your awareness of me and your concept of me and your understanding of me is what will help put fear to flight. The fear of God is what enables us to fear nothing else. Our relationship with the Father is what enables us to look past everything else. More of God means less of everything else. It's simple math. It's simply true. More of God means less than everything else. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed because I am your God. And what I'm going to do, son or daughter, is I'm going to strengthen you, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to uphold you with my righteous right hand. In other words... My heart is good, and my arms 
are strong. So whatever you're facing right now is probably uncertain and you probably can't control the outcome. And in many ways, you may not be able to control a lot. And that's ultimately what drives a lot of our fear. The inability to manage and control things. In this verse, God is saying that he's managing it and he's controlling everything. His heart is good, his arms are strong, and I've got this. Even more than that, I've got you. So if you keep your eyes on me and not whatever the enemy is trying to make you afraid of, then you will have a confidence and a peace welling up inside your heart. I think it's really well summed up in Psalm 34. We're going to put this up here as well. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my lips. This is the key. Because in Isaiah 61.3, it says a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. How many know that fear is heavy? That means that praise and worship is the panacea for all these problems. Worship is the dagger that will take out fear. Worship is the dagger that will take out anxiety and depression and worry. The problem is, When you're afraid, you don't want to worship. And when you're anxious, you don't want to worship. It's a little bit of the beauty of it. It is a paradox. When we get our eyes off the things that makes us anxious or that make us afraid and we put our eyes back up on a God and choose to open our mouths and worship him, that is when the scriptures say we start wearing the garment of praise and taking off the spirit of heaviness. Worship is a weapon and it will take out the weapons of of darkness designed to keep you stuck as far away from your anointing as possible. Can we switch to the NIV version, please? It's coming. I believe it. I'm going to start. I will extol the Lord at all times. Extol means to praise enthusiastically. What does that look like? I praise you, you are amazing, you are mighty, you are high and lifted up. You are wonderful counselor, almighty God, the everlasting father, you're the king of kings, you're the Lord of lords. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. So glorify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Not one, not two, not the little fears, not even just the big one. All my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. His heart is good. His arms are strong. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, all you saints, for those who fear him lack absolutely nothing. See, God is calling you to himself. It's not so much away from what you're afraid of, 
but he's just calling you to him as deep calls to deep. He's calling from deep inside him to deep inside you. And he wants to renew a confidence in him and a peace that can only come from that. And then he wants you to speak that peace and confidence to the circumstance, to the issue, or the situation you're dealing with, or the situation that you're afraid of. It's time to take your life back. It's time to have a focus on who it is that is with you, whose heart is good, whose arms are strong, and that has your back. I want to leave some time for the ministry team to come up and pray for those so who are interested in getting more breakthrough in fear tonight, especially if this is something that you've struggled with for a long time. Come up and I'm going to encourage you, please come up and get prayer. I'm going to ask the ministry team to go ahead and come up now, get their badges on, and be ready. I'm going to pray for all of us so you don't have to come up if you're embarrassed about something like that. There's nothing to be embarrassed about because everybody's been afraid at some point in your life. There's just degrees of it. But I want you to encourage to come get prayer. Get that relief. Get the cement shoes off and start running in the Lord again. So I'm going to ask you to stand. I preach short and sweet, just like I am naturally. (laughs) A little bit round in the middle. I know I, I went in deep there, but... Please, I want to encourage you, please come up and get prayer. But I'm going to end with praying for all of us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have perfect love. You cast out every single fear. And in the name of Jesus, we break off that fear from every single shoulder. Every chain of fear, I break you now in the name of Jesus. And I speak peace to that situation right now. Every tension in every neck release right now in Jesus' name. I thank you that we're going to let you lead us, Lord. And that we will find those pastures, we will find that water, and we will carry the peace that only comes from you. I thank you that your heart's good, your arms are strong, and we can trust you to take that leap past fear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Josh. If you would like prayer, please, please come up. Don't worry if you see anyone up here or not. There are people ready to receive you. I want to share something real quick. As a matter of perspective, like Josh was sharing about, I grew up in New Jersey, and so we had opportunities to visit the Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island a lot. Forgive me for growing up in New Jersey. But one of them was that in the museum for the Statue of Liberty, there is a scale model, scale model, replica, whatever you want to call it, of the Statue of Liberty's foot. Now, as a child, it is enormous. It takes up your whole field of vision, literally, to see the big toe of the Statue of Liberty. And it's like golden or copper or something. It's a, I don't know if it was the same material that the original statue is made of or not, but it is just in your face. It's shining. It's bold. And I'm watching this movie a couple of years ago. The Lord speaks to us in a lot of different ways. With me, it's movies a lot. I was watching Emperor's New Groove. And there's this guy, Kronk, this huge guy. And we know the situation of the devil and the angel on your shoulder. 
which one should you listen to? So little images of him in, in, in wings and in horns pop up on each side, and he's going back and forth. Oh, you have a point. Oh, well, you have a point too. And the Lord instantly brought me back to when I was a kid at the Statue of Liberty Museum, seeing the giant toe, the toe of the Statue of Liberty, saying, you know, this scale is completely wrong. The enemy wants you to think that he has as much influence over you as the Lord does. You can't see anything besides my big toe when you look up. He's like, receive me that way. The enemy has nothing on a perspective like that, and that's the truth. So if you'd like prayer, prayer, please come up. Eventually I'll say prayer the right way. Thank you for pardoning our dust as we have construction happening in the building. Thank you for safely navigating around that. We love you. Be blessed. Thank you for visiting, and we will see you next week. Amen. Good morning, Free Life Church, and happy Sunday. We are so glad you've joined us today. We would love to connect with you. Connection cards are a great way to let us know if you're new to us, any needs or comments you may have, or how we can connect with you. To submit a card, simply scan the QR code on the back of the seat or visit the Connect page on our website. If you are a first-time visitor, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag. We look forward to meeting you. On Saturday, September 3rd, Tara Green will be teaching an interactive and practical overview of Jesus as My Everyday Life. This class is for anyone wanting to grow in their understanding of God and learn how to walk alongside the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to bring lasting fruit to your life. Come get unstuck or let go of hurt that is holding you back and learn how to live a life full in Christ. Space is limited, so sign up today. For more information or to register, visit our events page on our website. Our next encounter night is coming up on Saturday, September 10th at 6.30 p.m. Plan to join us for a wonderful evening of spirit-led worship. Child care is provided. Are you interested in knowing more about Free Life Church or would like to become a member? Sign up for our discovery class on Saturday, September 17th to learn more about us, our purpose, and find ways to connect. Brunch and child care will be provided. Register online today. Save the date for our fall festival on Sunday, October 2nd. If you would like to help, we are in need of more volunteers. Please contact Elizabeth Ford at eford at betteralife.org. More details are coming soon. Here at Free Life, we believe in kingdom giving and we invite you to give towards the work God is doing. The easiest way to give is by scanning the QR code here with your mobile device. Checks or cash may be dropped in the connect box at the back of the sanctuary. We thank you for your partnership with us. Stay informed of upcoming events and important announcements by signing up for text updates and our newsletter. Remember, to learn about all our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for joining us today.